On this episode, we talk with our good friend, Timothy David Miller, about inner healing prayer. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lane. Andy. Joel. Andy, you're alive. Oh, you're alive. Oh, it's been way, oh, way, by golly. way too long. Um... Yeah, and uh, we've a lot of things have happened. For those of you that have uh, been staying up on the social medias, uh, Andy, your family's been through been through some things. We have. We had the death of my grandpa, and and we are we are so sad about that, and uh, we uh, we hope that everyone is doing well or as best as can be expected. We know. we are doing pretty good for. For what it is. For what it is. And uh, so, you know, as, as you all know, real life, uh, real life does happen, and sometimes we have to adjust our, uh, adjust our recording schedule. So thanks for sticking with us as we've uh, delayed. We, Andy and I and our, our spouses also, I'm not going to lie, we also did spend some time in sunny Florida. We did, and it was beautiful. It was delightful. It was delightful, and uh, we did return, as always, to uh, to much colder conditions. <laughs> it's snowing tonight, Joel. Good golly, it's okay. It's all right. Well, you know, March. Uh, I did on the other on the other uh, podcast that I'm on. I I had got a little argument started with my co-hosts. Oh yeah, because I said North Central Indiana March is the worst month. Period. Worst month Agree. of the year. Agree. Because it's unpredictable. We had 68 degree weather the other day. It's now freezing outside yeah. and snowing and everything smells like a wet dog outside. So, and it goes from warm, warm to cold and warm to cold. Just, and it's just gross. It's lousy, 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 lousy. So, Hey, uh, welcome to the show. Dudes and dads podcast listeners. So good to have all of you along with us. And, uh, tonight we're gonna have Timothy David Miller on. We're gonna talk about inner healing prayer. We're going to really go, we're gonna go deep into the bowels into the bowels into Ooh. the bowels of prayer i've never heard that term used before i have not either but i think i think i like it <laughs> okay that's good so but before we go any further we want to we want to thank our sponsors uh we have uh concrete barber is the sponsor for this episode concretebarber.com you can see all of his great uh, instagram is great for him he's got yeah. all of the great styles and i like really like the um the uh time lapse that he does of the photos yeah yeah, it's it's not only is it a not only are you seeing the barber stuff go on, it's a real it's a it's a multimedia experience. It's a, it has, there's a high uh, entertainment value there. So, it is so, so so DJ keep up the w- good work over there. Concretebarber.com. And also, we want to thank our friends Everance for supporting this uh, this episode. Support comes from Everance Financial, helping members invest in what lasts through financial services with impact. More at everance.com slash Michiana. Securities offered through Concourse Financial Group Securities Incorporated member, member FINRA SIPC. Well, Joel, we, uh, I met a guest, our, our guest today. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on. But I, I met our guest uh, when we were in Florida, in sunny Florida. Yep. So we want to welcome Timothy David Miller to our show. Welcome to, to the show. Hi, Timothy. Thank you. Or Tim, Good to be it, here. it's Tim. it's okay to call you Tim. I mean, yeah, please call me Tim. All right. <laughs> in Florida, 
people kept calling me Timothy and it, it, it was surreal. It was, experience. <laughs> it was the only time in my entire life where I was called Timothy. That's, that's amazing. I, I like, I like calling you Timothy David Miller because it, it makes you sound like you might be an assassin. Uh, <laughs> I, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the thing is, that's the great thing. No one would ever expect an Anabaptist to be a, an assassin. See, that's, that's the good cover. That's the key right there. That's the key, right. the key cover. Right. Uh, or, or, yes. or call you the, your, your mom when your mom calls you that cause you're in trouble. Like that's the full name comes out. So did that yeah, truthfully, I've never even been hunting. So, okay. Like, okay. I would struggle with, yeah. with, uh, if my job was to slap somebody, I'd be like, ah, this is going to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't what, think what, I'd make a great what, assassin. Well, yeah. What is the, what is the protocol here for uh, for a good slap? Um, so <laughs> on the topic of slapping, great segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tim is the, uh, for those of you that, that don't know Tim and that could be many of you. Uh, Tim is the lead pastor at gateway fellowship in Bridgeville, Delaware. Uh, are there a lot of bridges in Bridgeville? Is it, was it named after, is it, is there like multiple bridges that really, yeah, what's that all There's about? not even one. Let's see, false advertising. False advertising. I don't think there's even one bridge. Fantastic. Uh, so Tim, you've been over in Bridgeville, Delaware, over there since 2008. Wow. That's yeah. like, that's like a, that's a spell. It's a long time. It's a, it's a while. Um, I'm no math uh, genius here, but that's uh, going on 14 years, if I'm not mistaken, Andy. Does my math add up? Is that, uh, is that right? I Ma- so. Math is not my strong suit, but okay. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. 14 years. Uh, Tim, let me just put this out there. Uh, I've never done any job for 14 years. Not one. Not one single job have I stayed at, like stayed at an employer for 14 years. Oh, what's your secret? That's what I want to know. Tell, tell us, tell us this, the secret of a 14-year tenure at one church. Well, before I began, I was, when I graduated seminary and was praying and looking at all the horrible uh, job openings online for <laughs> pastors, going into a deep depression. Yes, right. Reading descriptions of what people expected of their pastors, what they wanted in a pastor. And I just remember saying, um, death would be superior to (laughs) taking any of these jobs. And (laughs) I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it's true. I mean, yeah. so I think uh, just for instance, uh, it, and tell me if you're tracking with this, Tim, uh, if you just go to, uh, what is it church? What was it? Uh, what, what's the, the big website? I'm forgetting church jobs.net or church, something, something church jobs, ministry jobs dot whatever, whatever it is. There's like a few main websites that people go to, to find ministry jobs. And it's a swamp out there, folks. It's an absolute swamp. And you're looking at these job descriptions and you're like, I don't know if Jesus Christ himself <laughs> could fulfill this job description. That's, that's right. Yeah. They want the education, work ethic, uh, the salary, everything felt like, okay, so I feel despair 
despair.com would be like what I'm, am I looking at despair.com? Yeah. But, um, so I got this word from the Lord during that season where he said, Tim, it's not about the internet. It's all about the network. And I said, I have no idea what that means. So thanks for the riddle. That's very unhelpful. <laughs> and my uncle called me and said, Tim, have you, have you had any, any luck in this? Cause that's what you really want. If you're a theist, a lot of luck, <laughs> Have you had any luck in this job search thing? And I said, no, nah, no, nah, everything looks horrible. And, uh, but the Lord did tell me it's not about the internet. It's all about the network. And he said, Oh, that's wonderful. And I said, it is. And he said, yeah, that means you're supposed to come, uh, interview with us, the conservative Mennonite church that you grew up in. And I said, huh? Why? And he said, because of what the Lord said about the network. And I was like, oh, you no, that wouldn't work. That would never work. Too many, uh, inconsistencies, incompatibilities with me and them. And he said, well, just promise me you will. So I did. And I've been, I've been there ever since. But one of the things that I asked God before I started, I noticed that I thought I saw a pattern in some of my heroes' lives. And, and the pattern was that they, to make an impact, they stayed in one place for a long time. So I said, God, this is a preference, not, not a demand, but I'd like to spend my entire career mm-hmm. in one church. So far, I'm still here. Yeah. And uh, they haven't fired me. Yep. They've tried multiple times and, and it hasn't worked. <laughs> no. we, have, <clears throat> we have planted at least two, maybe three churches. That, <laughs> Accidentally. Uh, yeah. And I love that. I love Gateway Fellowship. We love Gateway Fellowship. My wife and I treasure this little church. We're probably one of the slowest growing churches in America. And, uh, you know, at the rate of negative 12 a year ish for 14 years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, man, a fantastic batch of people. Sometimes I feel like a regular sized person at, at our church. And then I go other places and people act like I'm something special. And I go, huh? Right. Uh, yep. at home, I'm not that prophetic, but here people seem to think I am or at home. I don't feel that deep, but here people seem to think I said something smart. Um, <laughs> Well, that was my, you know that was, mean? that was my experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and this is, uh, and I'm speaking also as a pastor and, you know, and Andy's, Andy's married to one now, whether he likes it or not. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what happened? I don't understand that reference. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so Andy's wife, Julie, uh, but, Kind of fell into the well. I don't want to say fell into it. Let's just be clear. Let's just be clear. I I quit my job here at Clinton Frame, and she moved into my office. I just want to be kidding. That's no. She she did the interim job of Joel. What Joel was doing, and then the pastor of pastoral care, which is now called congregation of congregational care, came open, and so she she got that job. So she is is the pastor. But two two years ago, she would have never. Yeah. Dreamed of that. Yeah. Julie was, Julie was on a different, uh, she was on a, definitely on a ministry, a kind of ministry track, but definitely not, um, in the kind of the typical, uh, pastoral ministry track, but here she is today. And so Andy is a pastor spouse and, um, 
it's a there's a learning curve to that yeah fair enough to say hey, by the way julia's watching and she says that it's accurate that's accurate that that is totally accurate so oh good okay. which one is accurate yeah which, yeah, which one which, right, back, right back i love that you're i love that your wife is live with us that's fantastic um no i think uh now i got all now i got my train of thought oh right this is what i was this is what i was going i was going to say um finding a way to be a normal person in a congregational setting as a pastor Mm. Mm. is like a sacred skill and a really unique gift um i feel like where I'm at right now, one of the greatest gifts that I have received is that I have legitimate friends. And that's not to say that my previous congregation, but there has been some, there is a a, a kind of friendship that has emerged. Mm. Um, and if I can say this, I had a, I had a, I had a pastor, a lead pastor at 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 another church once tell me like your congregation doesn't want to be friends with you. Like what? You don't want, you don't want to do that. You know, right. you know, they need a pastor, not a friend. And I'm, and I've always lived, mm. I've lived in that tension of like, I don't know if that's right. I just, it's broken, dude. Yeah. That's right. 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 And it's, it's like, I don't, there's a, because you're, I think you're, you're assuming some, a power dynamic and you're assuming, mm-hmm. and it's like, can I just live out of my calling? They live out of theirs. We do this thing called Christian community together and and that's okay and like and i don't have to be yeah. like yeah. i'm not some i'm not the sage on the stage i'm not some i'm just like a co-laborer yeah. with you yeah so ah thank you julie's clarifying yes that it's true that she fell into ministry fell into it gosh if she if that's if that's all i can say julie if that's falling into ministry <laughs> wow <laughs> What a that's that's a graceful fall. I'll just tell you that's that's really beautiful. By the way, Andy, I got to say this this beaming new technology you that like you that. are inter- integrating into our uh, video components here is uh, yeah. Wow. Well, all I can Graphic. say is all I can say is thank you, Everence, and thank you, DJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all this all this fancy this fancy new stuff. So okay, so you've hey, been just, yeah. Go ahead. Can sorry. I speak back into, into what you were just yep. talking about. Yeah. So, um, I, I think it's really normal for a lot of pastors to claim that they, here's an, ex, have you ever heard this phrase? It's lonely at the top. Mm. Oh yes. hundred yeah. percent. Yep. I'm not lonely. And, and I, and I wonder if, if maybe the part of the reason I'm not lonely is because I'm such a, a mess in front of my people. Golly. So, yeah. Yes. So here's one example. I said dig, I, dig more into that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a recent example. My, my mentor, my overseer died of pancreatic cancer last year. Oh, maybe it was a year and a half, two years ago. Now time just flies. And uh, he was so beloved by so many people that I was unintentionally uh, minimizing my own suffering. Sure. We, we went from talking on the phone three times a week, at least. Yes. To n- not at all. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, um, 
my buddy Stanley one day says, uh, how you doing, Tim? I said, I'm okay. He goes, how you doing with Richard? And I said, it's rough, but you know, a lot of people knew him more than me, longer than me. So I'm, I'm all right. Yep. Classic, min- goes, classic minimizing yeah. right there. Yep. Totally. Yep. And, and, and Stanley says, I'm angry with you. I said, <laughs> what? He goes, how are you doing? I said, I- I'm okay. And he goes, I'm getting mad at you right now. I'm getting angry with you. Sit down on this on sit down right here right now. Sit down, sit down. I sit down. Then over and he, Carolyn Biggs comes over the lady who runs our clothing ministry, giving away clothing to the poor and praying over people and uh, stands my, my, uh, the leader of the prayer, um, leads prayer meeting. And, um, he's, he's my blind buddy who I just asked me the story of how I took him to the ocean. Okay. They, uh, they made me talk about how I was, how I was doing. They validated my pain to the point where I was crying, finally crying, really crying hard. And, and they went and got me communion and served me communion and laid hands on me and prayed over me. And the three of us had a moment because they, they refused to let me hide in my grief. Oh, Mm. so good. Beautiful. So good. You guys like, um, I just don't have, I hardly have words yep. for how I feel about these people. Yep. You know, they pastor me. Yep. They inspire me. They rebuke me. They challenge me. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not lonely. And it's not because I never feel lonely. It's because they come, they come after me yep. when I try to go and be alone. Because they're unimpressed with you. Well, that's true. Right. <laughs> and, but yeah. not in a bad, like not in a bad way. So, so the, Tim, here's here's the thought that I that I okay. So um, at Walkie MC, where where I serve, uh, the team that I oversee, uh, a, a kind of a when I say requirement, it's not a hard handed thing, but I I want everyone to have a four to five person prayer shield that is outside of our congregation that they're regularly men and women of prayer, deep abiding prayer that are going to be lifting them up in their in their ministry in their personal lives, the whole thing, right? And that there's a high degree of transparency and honesty with that, with that group, this, this prayer shield group. And then I also want them to have a, a spiritual mentor of some sort, like someone they can have deep, meaningful Jesus conversations with that again is outside of the congregation. So someone that does not have a dog in the hunt of their ministry job kind of thing. Right. Um, but then I also say that the one helpful thing that people seem to get when I say it is for this spiritual mentor position, you need to find someone that is unimpressed with you. Um, specifically, what I mean is this: people will, so many people will lift you up in in unfair and and not helpful ways. Well, they, yeah, they put you on a pedestal, right? And it, it being right. being in ministry, and the, and it it will it will feel okay at first, but then you realize it's toxic and it's dangerous, and that and it's people lifting you up that actually causes the loneliness. And, and so I, what I want is a bunch of co-laborers where everyone is living into their gifting and, and there isn't this like this, I don't know, the freaking smoke and light show kind of thing um, right, right. That, that's going on around it where we're, we're elevating personalities. Cause by the way, uh, you know, Tim, you and I and Andy, we've seen what has happened in the last few right. years with these high capacity people that are elevated that end up falling to pieces because they're, they can't live on the pedestal that people are putting them in hundred percent. 
hundred percent. So Tim, I'm super grateful for all those wonderful people out in uh, Delaware that you uh, yeah. are hanging out with. And I, and I hope I get to meet them. I really do. That is, that You're is solid. You're solid. That is awesome. I was talking to uh, Wes. Um, Furlong the other day. Yep. And he said that when he was leading a rather large church, there was this little 80 person Baptist church and they would, uh, you know, they would do sort of a bunch of churches would come together to do community events and this little 80 person church would outserve their 1500 person Mm. church. And, and, (laughs) Oh, yeah. It made I came home and reported to my wife. I was like, Oh, that boosted me so much because some of us, pastors of small churches really do suffer from the comparison. Uh, comparison is just such a joy thief and useless as an individual, but also useless in terms of leadership, right? Don't compare the size of your congregation to, to other congregations and then not see the treasure that's in front of you or, you know, all these weird, unhelpful, not from God metrics of, yes. of you know success yeah um, okay so back to the thing you said about fans well you didn't use the word fan but critics and fans um critics want to uh I've, I've always said don't put me up on a pedestal because there's there's two reasons that somebody would want to put me on a pedestal and i'm not interested in either and the two reasons would be to either uh crown me king or crucify me. So no, mm, thank you. Yes, right. Neither right. of those. I'm out. Right. No, thanks. Hard pass. Um, okay. So, okay. So Tim, uh, I think we get a little bit of a taste for the kind of, uh, maybe the spirit of ministry that you are, have found to be life-giving and helpful and something that you can stick around in and that you're not trying to flee from like a burning building. Uh, which, which, <laughs> which many of our colleagues, Tim, obviously are like there, this whole great resignation and pastors leaving their ministries and not going back to ministry at all. And kind of thing that, that is happening, uh, at a considerable yeah, rate. It seems like more these days than ever before. Sure. And it's, it's concerning. Uh, but I think some of the things that Tim's touching on are, are probably contributing to that. Um, so here, but here's the other thing. So Tim, and for our listeners here, when we were down in Florida, at Flourishing, which is our Evangelical Anabaptist Network uh, pastor spouse retreat. And there were I'm just shy of like 150 folks on down there uh, in beautiful uh, Sarasota, Sarasota area. Oh, golly. Um, well, I, I would say that you I, I really introduced me, especially into like the inner healing prayer idea. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and why is that so important? Yeah. To you. Yeah. And like, how did I just want like first, like, how did you get connected with this? Because like, I'm guessing you had, well, anyway, maybe you had an experience with it. You something, something happened, yeah. something broke yes. loose in you. I don't know. I, I like the, uh, well, something happened. <laughs> um, a, a really close friend of mine went to a sister church in our region and had a traumatic childhood experience that through listening prayer, the Lord substantially transformed the narrative that she had been living under as an abuse victim and worked some powerful Holy Spirit healing, gospel healing. And 
she, she enlisted and went through the training and became a practitioner of that particular model of inner healing prayer and began to sort of one night we were chatting on Facebook messenger and she just said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you ask Jesus to give you a picture of what your pain looks like? And I asked the Lord to give me a picture of my pain. And I was wearing this heavy backpack and I said, wow, I'm wearing a heavy backpack. So she types back a little later, you know, the little bubble, you can Mm -hmm. see somebody's typing then it pops up. Uh, Ask him what's in the backpack. I'm like, oh, it's full of bricks. Ask him what the bricks are. Uh, He says they are church people's expectations. (laughs) Oh, well, ask him what he wants you to do with those. He says he wants me to take the backpack off and surrender it to him. Okay, well, tell me when you've done that. Well, I tried in my imagination and I tried (laughs) to take the backpack off, couldn't take it off. Finally, I was like, why can't I take this off, Lord? And uh, he said, because you believe that if you don't live with a certain measure of guilt for how you aren't meeting people's expectations, then that lack of guilt reveals that you don't really love them. Oh. And I was like, that's messed up. And he's like, yep. (laughs) Uh, I couldn't get the backpack off until I physically got out of my lazy boy and pretended to take off the invisible backpack with my actual, you know, body Mm -hmm. and set it at the ground on the ground in front of me and then sat back down. I text my friend. Okay. I got it off finally. So she texts back, ask him what he wants to give you in exchange. Now that you've surrendered that burden to the Lord. And, uh, I said, all right, what do you want to give me in exchange? So I look and there's what I think is the same dang backpack. And I'm like, Oh no, this is a test. No way. Never again. So I finally realize it's not a joke. It's not a test. And I pick it up and I'm, it is, it feels empty. So I put it on and it's like, this is like, wow. It's like, I'm it. It's no burden at all. And she says, what's in it? My friend texts me, what's in the backpack. So I open it up and look in there, a sandwich. And I say, what's this Lord? And he says, it's your lunch. And instantly I'm in the story of the loaves and fishes where the only responsibility I have is to um, listen to Jesus and his, and his, what he's saying to me, what he's giving me to feast on for my, for myself, from him and me is plenty to share with everyone around me. And there will be, you know, the 12 baskets and food for the 5,000 and, so it was like a redefining of, of love. So that, that little, little encounter is one of a number of those kind of prayer encounters in which I sort of, sort of slowly began to pick up tools sure. that it's like, okay, you can, that's the tool called picture the burden and uh, invite Jesus in and give the burden to mm-hmm. Jesus. And what do you want me to do with this? And um so, yeah, so you probably saw saw us do that. The exchange yeah, is what I yes, call it. Yeah, yeah, and and I just so because we have a a wide a wide range of listeners, some of which right now as they're listening go, are going, "Hey, uh, who invited this freak show onto the show?" Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and I say that I'm joking, obviously, but my my feelings were not hurt. 
Good. Good. You were the, the we, harshest criticism you could ever give someone is that they're normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most, the most damaging thing I could ever say to someone is be, would be that, um, no. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm joking to that extent, but also to say, see, here's the deal, Tim, and you know, this, like the way you're talking about your conversation with God right there, like that whole, that whole exchange is it fair to say that that is really a foreign, like I just, I'm thinking of we Christians in the West in particular, I'm thinking of the, the folks that I've, you know, I've shared life with in congregations, the kind of conversation that you're just talking about there, uh, the nature, the dynamics of it, all of that, the process seems massively foreign uh, to what, you know, to what I have encountered and have talked about and have seen and experienced even with myself. Um, within kind of Christian congregations in general, is that is that fair? Uh, people oftentimes have not received proper training in what prayer can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer is often we we almost treat prayer like it's God's uh, voicemail, mm-hmm. rather than a real life conversation with a real being who exists and who is present with us. And, and, and honestly, who someone who doesn't buy any of our posturing and isn't interested in us saying what we think he wants us to say. Um, it's, it's, it's almost a foreign idea. Okay. So let me share this example. One day I was a very young believer I was headed out to go to a six month trip to India with uh, reach the short term missions program of our denomination. And mom and dad were praying over me the night before we left. And my dad didn't close his eyes when he prayed. He didn't use a preacher voice. He didn't get intense. He didn't try to, he didn't, there wasn't zeal in his voice. There was not intensity. He, he wasn't attempting to get God's wind. Father God, we just, and we ask that you, and hey, oh, we just don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. But we got, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, you know, if you, if you talk to the guy who, who, you know, does the cattle auction. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that's a persona he puts on for cattle auction. And, and there's a persona a lot of us put on when we pray. Yep. There's a persona people put on when they, when they go out in public. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was a very young Christian. I had already learned how to put on a persona with God. And then my dad started praying. He didn't shut his eyes. He didn't change his voice. He didn't use any particularly spiritual sounding words. It was so arresting and shocking to me that I stood there and just looked at him while he prayed with (laughs) confusion on my face. Because what he's doing does not count right now. It does not count as prayer. (laughs) And I thought you, I thought, dad, I thought you cared about, I thought this is different. Not just a conversation. Yeah. He's just talking like God's a regular person, mm-hmm. the same size as us in the circle, who didn't need to be convinced of anything or impressed. 
the, the, the lack of legalism and the amount of grace and, and dad doesn't know that his prayer taught me anything. I don't think I've ever said this to him, but uh, someone who really understands grace, who isn't doing any posturing with God, it, it changes how you get up in the morning. It changes how you behave when you realize you've sinned. Mm-hmm. It changes how you sing to the Lord. It changes how you talk to the Lord. It changes how you feel as you open the book to just read, read the word. Conversational relationships, not going to be possible. Sure. If you think of yourself as a problem, God's trying to fix rather than someone who God really enjoys and loves and understands all those weaknesses that you have, but really I, likes you. I, I just, and I don't know, I have a strange, I don't know if you, this is a, a strange spiritual anxiety around, um, how would I say this? If I have, I think so many folks, and I would include myself in this at various seasons, so many folks are, are locked up with, with their, it's like they're worried about doing it wrong prayer that is, or whatever they're worried, worried about the doing of it. Mm-hmm. And then, and because they're so worried about that, then they don't, or they don't even, because like in, in a way, and honestly, in a way, Tim, like I, what I heard you share down in Florida as we were at the conference and what I, the previous conversations that you and I have had, there is a little bit of a, if I'll just say it, there's, there's an experimental nature to what, to, to your conversations with God. Like, yeah. Is that, yeah. it, does it, I don't, maybe you've got better words for it than that, but. I'm a mystic. Yeah. I'm, am I supposed to unpack that? <laughs> I think so. I, 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 think, well, I, I think so. I, I think too, like, I mean, one thing that I noticed when we were in Florida is I think the way that you led the conversations on stage, the way that you, you were, I, I don't want to say were the voice of God, but you were allowing the people that were going through the inner healing prayer to just, you were kind of guiding them, if you will. And that, I think yeah, that, they yeah. they need to hear from me. Right. Yeah, they're they not you. From me. You're just asking, you're just asking the basic questions. Exactly. The point of, of, I don't really like to call it inner healing prayer. Um, it, it, cause to me, it's just Christianity. Sure. It's, it's <laughs> right. just, yeah, it says who? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's the real Jesus. The biblical Jesus is actually here. He speaks. He saves. He heals. He's he he. His spirit brings life. Uh, he actually works really well in broken situations, just like this one. Yep. And if we'll attune our hearts and ask him these questions and invite him in. He'll speak. Mm-hmm. He'll do the stuff he did in the book because he hasn't changed and he hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tim, I as succinctly, and I, I, this is always the challenge, right? As succinctly as you can give us, because I, I want people to get a little context for the bigger picture that we're talking about kind of because you did outline some specific steps kind of in the healing prayer process. I, if you could just lay those out for us kind of quickly and then um, just to, because it was a process. There's a, a journey that a person goes on um, through this. And, and the journey is not the same for every person. And sometimes there's a, a start, a stop, a pause, and then a continuation. But in general, kind of the things that you're hoping to guide people through, what would, 
how would you list how would you list those out uh well let me see one two three four five six in reality it comes down to jesus said that the truth will make us free right and we need to know that the different there's a difference between the facts which which the devil is is really good at twisting the facts yes. in order to deceive there's a difference between the facts which can be twisted to deceive and the truth which can even use made up stories called parables to set free right so the mm-hmm. truth is actually not just an idea jesus said i am the truth so the truth is a person the truth is the voice of Jesus. The truth is what Jesus is saying, or another way to put it would be what God believes, right? So oftentimes where we start with people is um, life hurts us, life wounds us, we sin, and, 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 and then those experiences start to teach us things. So through the, the wounds of life, lies enter, and the demonic will have to often try to empower those lies that uh, that our broken experience of the world so so what ends up happening is things that are not true begin to feel true and then as we feel those things are true we live by those things that we feel are true but aren't and that is what keeps us under strongholds is how the new testament describes it and so Paul talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and destroying strongholds using the tools of the the spiritual weapons of the gospel. So that's what I'm doing here. I I think maybe a more manly description of inner healing prayer Mm. would be spiritual warfare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is what we, this is spiritual war. This is taking ground. This is just, this is, you know, there's a a story in the old Testament where there's this guy called, um, Oh shoot. What is, what is his name where he takes his stand in his field of lentils and like kills 300 men. And, and like, I just picture him standing there. His name is Shema. Um, yeah. Shema. Shema took his stand in a field of lentils. And I just picture him standing there saying this, they're my, they're my stinking lentils. Yeah. This is my inheritance. This was, I was promised this, this is my children's food. Right. This is God's given me this and I'm not going to let Satan and I'm not going to let the evil one take my inheritance from the Lord. Right. And so for us, it's like, we've been given the promise to live an abundant life. We've been promised. We're not slaves to sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We're not, we can walk in freedom. We don't have to be ruled by anger. We don't have to be ruled by lust. We don't have to be ruled by greed. Right. Right. in my mind, like the evil one wants to lock us up so that we don't live the abundant life of that, that's ours in Jesus. He wants to steal our inheritance. You know, he's really into identity theft. He wants to steal, he wants to steal our, our ID out of our wallet so we don't know who we are. Because if we don't know who we are, then we definitely don't know whose we are. And we have no clue why we're here or what to do. I, I'm not even describing the inner healing process at this point. But basically the truth sets us free Mm -hmm. and lies make us slaves. So what I do is I try to walk people uh, into the wound with Jesus to allow him to heal the wound, remove the arrow with the lie in it, repent of what they need to repent of, 
experience comfort where they need to comfort, forgive who they need to forgive, and then go circle back around. And usually we start with a lie, but we end with the truth. Mm -hmm. And by the time you go through the process, people who think they don't hear God at all, I'm telling you, people who think they don't hear God, people who think, oh, I'm a dud, Mm. I'm a waste of Tim's time. (laughs) By the end, they're not only hearing God, they're feeling God, they're Mm -hmm. sensing God, and 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 the enemy's lies are unmasked. Well, and that's one of the things I, I would say that, that we experienced when we were in Florida. And, and you know, normally you do this in a, a small setting. You may have one other, you know, person with you besides the person that you're walking through this with. But we were we were allowed to be kind of, you know, the audience where there was, you know, past the fourth wall and we were allowed to to see through this. And like I noticed that that in both cases, it seemed like, yeah, by the end of this this journey, people were experiencing and feeling and and just hearing from God where I don't think that they really expected when they got on stage. Yeah. And could you tell how clueless and powerless I was the whole time? Yeah. (laughs) What I experienced is you, you listening to God though. Like that's what I experienced. Yeah. listening. I, uh, I, I'm not even joking when I say my method of doing this is throwing myself in harm's way and begging God to rescue everyone. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. But see, but that's like, well, that's shepherding. Number one. Um, yeah, uh, we're in way over our head. That's yeah, what Paul said, right? Boy, yeah. oh boy, right? And uh, just, Tim, I'm reading this book right now that just came out. I think this is fall. The, uh, this past fall. Uh, let's see. It's uh, the enti- the title of it is uh, the flourishing pastor. And the early chapters, he's all about. He's basically all about saying like, um, uh, you need, <laughs> you need. He's getting toward the place of you need to be in. You need to be in harm's way. Like you need to be in harm's way in terms of relinquishing, relinquishing safety and control. Um, and if you do that, that's where longevity and healing is found. And then I just, I'm, as I'm listening to, cause I'm, I, I don't, I, I can't read everything like from a book. So <laughs> audible has been a real big help to me uh, uh, recently. Uh, Are you the person who's telling me I've got to get audible? Well, here's the deal. I'm just going to say this. When I finished grad school, and maybe you're not, I, I have, I've just, proje- I've projected realities onto you, Tim. So I'm just going to tell you what I think you're like. And then you're just going to tell me, I don't know that I'm totally wrong. Uh, I, th- like, I, I look at you, I see you. I'm like, oh, there's a deep reader. There's a guy who's just in deep into the uh, spiritual formation, uh, the books and all the things. I, I don't know. For me, when I graduated from grad school, when I finished my last graduate class and had a wall full of, you know, walls full of books, I said, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to take some time off from this whole, <laughs> this whole reading thing. And then I took a very long time off and I have felt like I, in the last few years, have just tried to crawl back into being a better, a, a reader or whatever. Yeah. So I've been basically, I've been trying to get back to reading. What I've realized is if I get a book and then get the, like, this is not a super cost effective way, but if I get the book and then get the audible, I can listen to some of it and then I can pick it up and read when I have a chance to, but I have to have both to be able to get through a book. Cause I will get, I'll get stalled. I'll get stalled out. Like if, cause I'm always like, Oh, I need like a, I need like a quiet place to read all the time. And like, that's not a reality in my life. And so, right. We're morning, ne- we're, you're never going to get the quiet place. And I am, I am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, family's uber driver for crying out loud so i'm in the car all the time so i've just 
I'm just using using my resources to get books, but I'm trying to get back in and I will say um the reading the reading thing is is actually good for you turns out. Um so okay, so he, I have so many I have just so many other other questions. I I think what we can say about the nature of this prayer is and because again, we're we are the dudes and dads podcast and we're always talking about guy stuff and whatever and here's the deal i i think a lot of i don't know there when it comes to entering into um and i know this is a terrible stereotype but with guys can we backtrack yes please go ahead just for a smidge yeah sure you can yes go go for it i i'm a very slow reader okay like like i i read very slowly i reread the same books over and over and many of the books i read are old yes and i'm i'm not really interested in growing my library real big i i would be i was just thinking the other week i should get rid of a bunch of these worthless books Probably there's less than 20 books that I have that have that were worth reading. Dallas Willard is helpful. A little book I brought I bought for a quarter by Brother Lawrence and Frank Laubach on living in a state of constant conversation with God, experiencing the presence of God all day has probably been the one of the most impactful things that I, that I have read and reread and continue to endorse. But my point is I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not only am I not a super reader, uh, but I, I really ascribe to the idea of the purpose of reading is, is doing mm-hmm. is, is applying. Yep. And so it, it is a tree of a knowledge of good and evil kind of a, a, an agenda to, 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 to try to constantly be gaining more and more knowledge. Um, it, it, there's a, a Eastern Orthodox concept of never, never study or read more hours in the day than you pray. Well, that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a dangerous idea. I uh, ascribe to that. Yeah. I, I affirm that. No, that's, yeah, I I'm with you. That's uh that's a good challenge. I'm gonna have to think about that. Which means I'm I don't know. Think. I just have pastor friends, and they're like, "This year I'm gonna read 50 books," and I'm like, "You're gonna live one one page out of out of out of what? Yeah. How many of those books are you gonna live? Gonna live out? You know, like when Jesus said to Dan Moeller, "Stay in Philippians two," and then he stayed in Philippians two, and then for like. He said, how long am I going to stay in Philippians 2? Only reading Philippians 2. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God exalted him to the highest place, right? But have this mind in you. Have that mind in you. Have that attitude in you. How long am I going to stay in in, in Philippians 2, Lord? And he says, till it's in you, till you're living Mm. in. And one day, one day, Jesus said, okay, you can move on. Hmm. Do you know what that means? 
that means he was actually living Philippians 2. Yeah. And until he was living it, Jesus didn't want him just filling more knowledge way beyond his level of, of, of actual spiritual growth. Yeah. Right. Because this extra gap in between the grace we're actually walking in and the word, this gap right here, now this information is being used to judge self, God, and others. Hmm. Like that's, that's danger. There's danger there. Absolutely. Wow. So, Yeah. Think on that. That's, that's worth the price of admission right there. Think on that one. Yeah. And that, and I think that's, you know, we have, we've, we've made, for those of us that follow Jesus in the Western context, I do feel it's become this big, like I'm all for education. Don't get me wrong. But this big cerebral exercise. And it's like, yeah, information does not equal transformation. I, I've experienced that in my own life, see it in the lives of others. And I just go, uh, um, how about we just be obedient? How about we just start there? <laughs> and then, yeah. And yeah. how do you be obedient to ideas like God is love? So like every day, this is how I, this is how I start my prayer day. I, I don't ask God for things in my prayer time in the morning. There's no lists. There's not, I'm not looking at the brokenness of the world. I'm not looking at the needs of my community. I'm not even looking at the needs of my, in myself or my family. The first lengthy portion of my prayer time is thanking Jesus that I deserve hell and I'm never going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to hell. Yeah. I deserved it. The penalty, the, 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 the appropriate penalty for the behaviors that, that I was enslaved to is death. And I was headed there and he said no. And he came on mm-hmm. a rescue mission. So I just say, thank you, God, that I was headed Amen. that way. Yep. I was headed to hell forever and I'm not going, I'm going to heaven forever. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you pursued me. Thank you that I'm going to be with you forever. Thank you, God, that you took the cross for me, that you took the crown of thorns for Tim, that you were beaten for Tim. And I just stay in thank you. Thank you for, thank you that, thank you that, thank you that, thank you that, starting with the eternal things. And then that can grow into, and God, I ask for this and God, I ask for that. But I mean, that, yeah, then I read a chapter out loud of something and, uh, and then I sit down and I picture Jesus with me and then I do listening prayer and that's my pattern. And I try not to interact with, with humans until noon. That's, but I have the luxury of doing that because I'm in charge of how I arrange my schedule. A lot of people's jobs would not allow that. Um, (laughs) You know, that's why, that's why people are like, I get up at four in the morning and I'm like, wow, that's dangerous. Me and Jesus are actually asleep. Then, so I don't know who you're talking to because he's in bed with me sleeping. I don't know. That's right. How it's not safe to get up before the Lord, bro. Yeah. That's, that's a dangerous that's false time. Doctrine's born. You didn't have the Lord there. He was in bed with me. Yes. Oh yes. man. Well, this, this conversation has been good, Joel. And I don't, I don't want to keep Tim too long because I, don't want his voice to Tim. You got to yeah. Tim. Do you got to you got to preach on Sunday? That's the rumor. Actually, I the part of the reason my voice is so jacked up is I just came out of uh, band practice and I was singing really high. Hmm. I didn't. I. I mean, I can see you bringing a little little Bon Jovi <laughs> to the uh, to the worship yeah, experience. Yeah, I was trying to teach Danny the uh, Danny's the the gal. I was trying to teach Danny the um, 
the harmony parts and I'm singing, I'll help you in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We didn't cover any of your questions and I didn't even get to ask you guys my questions. Like I was going to ask y'all, what's your favorite food? Oh, nice. He can, he can do the pop quiz on us. That's actually let's, okay. Let's, that, let's that's do that. We're, we're going to do that. Okay. We're going to finish the episode out with, where you get to you ask, ask us, us, us so, the questions. All right. Now it's time for dudes and dads pop quiz. All right. All right. All right. So you're going to go ahead and ask us these questions today. Yeah. So yeah whatever yeah. you want to ask. All right. Favorite foods. All right. I will go first. I will go with shrimp and Skittles. I mean, oh, that's weird, but shrimp and Skittles. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I've just turned a corner here recently. Um, gosh, Andy, you and I, what is, it's got a brain lock. Shrimp and grits. I had some <laughs> shrimp and grits the other day that was dynamite. And I'm like, I think I really oh, love this food. And I, because I'm not a southerner, I didn't know about it. It's like the new, a new kingdom, a new element of the kingdom of God is, is opened up before me. So I'm going to go right now, this moment, shrimp and grits. I think you guys need to move to Georgia or Alabama. Yes. If shrimp and grits is a thing that you are about. Yes, absolutely. And so I'm allergic to shrimp and oh, I'm allergic no. to the lime Skittles. Oh. So you could, you know, you can have it, Andy. Oh man. Thanks. <laughs> favorite TV show. Joel, I'll let you answer that one first. TV show. And this can be any, anything of all time, whatever. All time. Um, how about series? Does that make you feel happy? Okay, yeah, okay I'll tell you. I'll tell you my favorite you series. Okay. I'll tell you uh, it went two seasons. I wish to goodness it would go a third. There's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, is the Netflix series Mind Hunter, and it is the early. Uh, it's it's a um, it's a kind of a slightly fictionalized version of when the FBI began their. I'm writing it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mind Hunter. Uh, when the FBI began their study into serial killers. And like began a process for profiling serial killers. And I know, I know it sounds super dark. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not as dark as it, it's, it's all the psychology that's really interesting to me anyway. All right. So for me, I'm going to go with, uh, the amazing race. That's one of our family's favorites. We love watching quite the range between Mindhunter and amazing race. I like it. The, what if you could combine those two if they oh you know, yeah 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 that's horrible okay <laughs> uh favorite band wait hold on joel your wife says this always with the shows with people dying <laughs> oh thank you jackie <laughs> oh man the shows of people dying <laughs> i love this new technology we got going on here so great. our wives our wives get to make get made comment okay uh favorite what? band oh Oh, oh, oh. That's what I asked. Yeah. Favorite that's, band. That's so hard for me. There's it's so not, many. It's, it's not hard for me. It's, oh man, it's hard for me. I, I, Joel, go ahead. So uh, hold on. So the, I asked the mailman, what's the greatest band of all time? And cause, cause everybody asked the mailman hot enough for you. <laughs> and he just wants to die. Yes. He just, right. Just, right. No, yep. no. I, so I try to ask him real questions. And so I, I'll even get other people to give me questions for the mailman. And I have a list on my phone. Of, of, you know, so if I see him coming, I'm like, hey, well, here's a question of the day. Greatest sports team of all time. He's like 1920. What is it? 1927 Yankees or whatever. I don't know what he said. He said Aerosmith was the greatest band of uh, all time. Mm, mm, anyway. No. 
How about y'all answer that right, question? Joel. Okay. I, I don't know about the, my favorite, I'll just answer the question. Initially, my favorite band is the, uh, is the Chicago based band Wilco. That's my Wilco. Wilco. Jeff Tweedy is a, he's like a, he's like a personal, I feel like I know him and yet I don't. Uh, there's something, uh, something about him. Just something about him. All right. So, so I'm going to, it's not the same as greatest, huh? No, because I don't, I don't know, like, like I'm also like a huge, uh, in in so many ways from uh, the musicality level, also like a huge Led Zeppelin fan. Um, but like, I, it's like, that's an easy one to go to, like whatever the epicness or whatever. And then, uh, but I just don't know. I don't know if I can, uh, that's a hard one. That's a really hard it one. It is a hard question. Andy. All right. So. I'm going to, it's so hard for me to take even answer. Cause I like music from all genres. I'm just going to say the smashing pumpkins. Ooh. Cause that's, that's oh, a good one. You the man. <laughs> oh, come on. The Siamese dream album. That's a good one. It's yes. 19. It's 1994. Yes. I'm on a, I'm on like a Greyhound bus. I love all the things about this story. My friend hands me his Sony Walkman. It has a cassette in it. He says, listen to this. I put it on. And I hear Cherub Rock, the first track of Siamese Dream. I'm gonna have to go and listen I to it now. There, gonna have to go and listen. I sat there like Joel, Joel does not what? like the Smashing Pumpkins, according to his wife. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, everyone is entitled to be as wrong an idiot. Right. Right. As <laughs> America. That's what makes America. Yep. Sure. The, the best part of America is I get to be a religious kook and you get to be a wacko. Yep. That's true. Right? The earth is flat. 5G is has given me a, an increased pancreatic <laughs> pain level lately when it rains. And we we are actually still friends <laughs> <laughs> all right one more give us one more question and then we'll end this episode if you could live anywhere in the world doing any career you wanted where Ooh. would you live and what would your career be all right i'm i'm gonna say i would probably live somewhere warm so maybe hawaii like if like money mm-hmm. wasn't an option i would say hawaii and I really like podcasting, so I think I would actually do podcasting. Joel? If I could live... Yeah, Andy, I'm going to say, if I could live in San Diego, um, and uh, I, I just, like, have a job where I get to talk to people, just talk to, talk to people for my job, I, if that's podcasting or whatever it is, um... I think I would like, I think I would like that. I think I'm, I've crossed over the line now where it's like, you know what? I'm okay with a single climate and I'm and living in that. I'm, you know, I've, I've, and, and quite honestly, Tim, I don't know you, you in Delaware, I think you've got it worse than us at, at, at some point. So I don't know how you do what you do, but, uh, what do you mean? Like, is I, okay. I just envision like East coast people like, like up, up that way. Like you, like getting some really gnarly weather. Am I wrong? Or is you, are you mild? Uh, Delaware is mild year round. Um, really? I spend as many days at the beach as I can in the summer. Winters are mild. Fall's beautiful. Spring is beautiful. Um, 
I would like to live closer to the beach. And I, I think it would be, it, what would I want to do as a child? I think I like what I'm doing, to be honest. Yeah. I like what I'm doing now. Yeah. I, uh, more of what I'm doing now. I would be better at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like closer to the beach at what I'm yeah. Yeah. Closer to the beach and better and better at what I'm doing. Uh, it, like a way better version of me. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, Lord help us. Uh, and surf. I would love to surf. Can, can you surf in Delaware? Can you, is that a thing? Nah, mm-hmm. no, nah, the waves aren't, I mean, people, people do. They're like, Oh yeah. My dentist was like, you know, I, you can go down to Towers Beach and surf because I used to be a lifeguard back when I was a kid. And that's where we, we could, the waves were still there. They replenish the beaches because of all the expensive houses. So the federal government provides money to replenish the beaches. You know what I mean by replenish? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's always eroding and yes. then they're dredging things up. And then that screws up the way the waves break. Mm-hmm. So it ruins the surfing waves. And um, so, but he told me about Tower. So Towers is where we go. And, and that's, I, so we go down to towers. We don't surf because the waves just kind of pop up, destroy you in the face <laughs> and then dissipate. Yes. And it is intense. Like it is, it's, it's, that's why I go, I go there to fight the waves and just get, when, I, when adults go to the beach I, and they sit in their chair yeah, and they watch the kids play. Yeah. I'm like, you want to sit in the sun on the ground? For hours, you are weird. Why are you not digging holes, building things, <laughs> catching mole crabs? Yes, skipping stones yep. and swimming. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Get yeah. in the water. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm yeah. mostly with you, yeah. uh, Tim. Can I? Can I just say, uh, from the very bottom of my heart, um, I love you so much, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for joining thanks, us. Yeah, thanks for and being on the show and having uh, a very fun conversation. Um, we, we seldom go over the hour mark and we are over, we are over because, uh, it was entertaining, at least for me. And, and I think and, 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 this is the first time we've ever had a guest do a pop quiz on us. I think I believe, yeah, right? We, Joel? Yes. We're cutting edge here. Yes. We, we, we love it. Flipped Thanks. This, flipped the script on it. I have more questions, but we'll do it a different time. All right. Perfect. I, I, I love it. I love like, it. Like, like, I mean, there's the question that everyone's been wondering is what is wrong with you? No, <laughs> no, no. Thank you so much guys. And, and Joel, I appreciate the uh, affectionate, open hearted way that you have received me into your life. Oh, so quickly. Bless, bless and you. Andy, uh, I haven't had as much of an experience of you yet. You'll, you'll you get seem, one. I'm sure you seem like a good dude. <laughs> and there's no higher compliment as we like to say here. Than being called a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. I just yeah. think that's. I'd buy a car from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the second highest yeah, compliment right. you can you can give. Right, there. right, we're good then. I we're on a good level. Tim, man, say hi to the say hi to Carrie, who is your wife. Uh, just to be clear, uh, <laughs> say hi to <laughs> Carrie and the kiddos for us. We're thanks for the the time that you gave us, and uh, and as always, guys, you can head over to Dudes and Dads Podcast for all of our show notes show notes all the goodies we'll uh we'll put tim's stuff up there we'll make him embarrassingly easy to find he's got some good video content by the way we didn't even discuss that uh my wife
wife says I'm the best dude. Andy is the best dude. A little biased. A little biased. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, also you can uh, reach us over at dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com if you've got some uh, just some pithy comments you'd like to share with us, some recommendations for future shows, or a strong rebuke in the name of Jesus, uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to give. Uh, we appreciate y'all. We look forward to uh, catching you around on the flip side next time. Yep. So grace and peace. 